welcome back to CHGO White Sox Podcast. Welcome in to Studio A of our West Loop Studios. My name is Herb Lawrence. Usually I'm in the middle chair, but today Sean Anderson is on assignment. So I'll be taking the hosting duty today. On my left is CHGO's beat reporter for the White Sox. It's Vinny Duber. Follow him on X at Vinny Duber. And you can follow me on X at Ecknerwall23. That is my last name, Lawrence. Spelled backwards with two three for Robin Ventura. And helping us out today, producing the show, is Sarah Victor. Hi. Sarah's a good person, thorough, Kansas alum. Don't hold that against her. Today's oh, sh- I don't know. Can't KU alum over there, Mizzou alum right here. We're lucky there's a there's a table between us, Sarah. Tell me why yesterday was the day I found out you went to Mizzou. Really? I thought, haven't been paying attention. I know. I thought Ryan. Shirts. I know. I will. Maybe it's. I just like. Honestly, I'm just blind. I don't look at that. Him stuff. and Ryan Herrera and do the secret handshake. Oh, I know Ryan. <laughs> I know Ryan's doing that. <laughs> Wave the wheat, though. Anyways. Yeah. So today on today's show, we will celebrate a White Sox birthday. Today, we will also review how he did this year. Also later on, we will and our title topic. We'll be talking about FOMO and not necessarily Whit Merrifield, but I got you in there. Yeah, I got you because I know you guys are going to be mad about Whit Merrifield. But it's, we're going to be talking about today being the anniversary of Jose Abreu signing with the Houston Astros last year. And if you get FOMO when a good team has interest in the players that you're rumored to be having interest in, and so we'll get to that in time. But our icebreaker question. Over the weekend, I don't know if you guys saw Luis Robert Jr., White Sox center fielder, superstar by himself, was in a video. I mean, looking good, looking sharp. The video was by Mike Towers. When you say video, you mean music video. A music video. This is Johan Moncada, the sequel right here. This is starring Luis Robert Jr. And Mikey Towers, M-Y-K-E, Mike Towers. The video is called La Falda, which I've looked up. It looks like it's called The Skirt. Literally was the video it's called. And that's what the video is all about. The man just talking about some lady's skirt the whole damn time but the thing that always trips me out is uh when they have athletes in videos or uh commercials and they have to throw it over your face like smash you in the face that this is Luis robert jr it's not it's not a good sign no they're (laughs) in the video and i know if you're listening on the podcast you can't see it but sarah just showed a couple of the stills from the video he has his white Sox jersey top on with robert jr in the back the 88 in the front the sox on the left side of the chest and it's always reminds me of old commercial i don't know if you remember i think it was a geico commercial it's like hey what are you doing here, all-pro linebacker Brian Arakpo? It's just like, if he's not that popular, you don't put him in the commercial. You know, it's kind of weird, but I would have known Luis Robert Jr. in that video, and literally he's in that video for 15 seconds. So this is not necessarily about Luis Robert Jr. or Yoan Mancata, but it is about athletes and then musicians. Like, why the crossover so much? And I'll go over some of these uh, athletes who had musician, uh, who had a music career for a brief time. And then that's, also... That's a very, very lenient definition of career, music career. There's only a couple that were actual musicians that you could say... That's respect. But, and also the opposite. We talked the other day about Chris Gaines slash Garth Brooks being in spring training a couple times with the Padres and the Mets. So the uh, musicians also want to be athletes all the time. But is there a musician or athlete that you saw transitioned into a musician? You're like, respect. Uh, the answer is no. Okay. I mean, I don't think I, – I can't really think of – you're welcome to throw me an example that I'm not thinking of, but uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone who did it and it wasn't laughable, with the exception maybe of Bernie Williams. Boom. Bernie Williams you got it. was like a really good, like, classical guitar Guitarist. player. Yes. Um, and, like, you know, has albums and – concerts and stuff and like that he didn't try to sing i think is probably what sealed the deal there um but you know showing off an actual other talent but other than that the the best i can do in terms of a compliment would be like to compliment a or a a musician's fandom let's say or an athlete's fandom of uh the opposite certainly uh getty lee comes to mind from rush and his love of baseball but you mentioned garth brooks there's a whole ton of them out there we uh, you know there's eddie vetter up on the north side some of the uh hip-hop guys for with the socks and all of that the fandom i think you can compliment 
Outside of Bernie Williams, I'm not sure I can compliment any of the uh, crossover attempts. Yeah, and Bernie Williams, he was 16 years with the Major League team, uh, the New York Yankees uh, most likely. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, John Sakata, and Bella Fleck are the people, the artists that he worked with. But yeah, he's been classically trained as a guitarist. And there's one other guy that I can name off the top of my head. His name was Wayman Tisdale, former NBA player. And then he became a bassist, a jazz bassist. Okay. Unfortunately, he has passed ever since. But I think he won a couple Grammys because he was just so good. Mostly like like smooth jazz. I don't know if you were a WNU Wave guy back in the day. I was a big-time fan. So I heard Wayman Tisdale. And there's no slight to his basketball career. His basketball career was solid. But his music career was the stuff. And so I think that when I have people in the offseason going through their second lives and Luis Robert Jr. showing up in a music video or Yoan Moncada and I know White Sox fans like oh no he's in a music video after Yoan was in a music video he wasn't good he was disaster personnel calm down man the man's just jamming he's just having a good time catching a baseball saving a young dame they did not let Luis sing also if you know yeah no <laughs> Johan sang that was oh. his song Oof. Luis they didn't they just said why don't you just why don't you just put the jersey on and, and look nice yeah and so he's in the video he's like he catches a ball from in front of a girl before she gets hit with the baseball and then takes over the batting and then hits it to earth, uh, out of earth and then you don't see him ever again. I was going to say, he's in it for like two seconds. It is the weirdest thing in the world. Like It was just like this guy, Mike Towers, like, you know I'm friends with Luis Robert Jr. And he has to wear his jersey so you guys know who he is. I have, uh, it will surprise no one to learn, I've never been invited to like a mansion pool party with a lot of beautiful people. Do, is there just like random baseball being played in the, in like next to the pool that doesn't seem like something that is actually happening yeah you're having a good time people are just like hanging out talking and then there's one dude just like tossing a ball up and hitting the ball like in like four feet from the house while these (laughs) ladies are scantily clad like not wanting to play baseball just wanted to talk and chill out let me read some of these lyrics to you about la falda should you are they appropriate (sighs) they're they're very corny if to the i guarantee the spanish version like the actually speaking spanish sounds smooth through but, google translate not not but as this nice. is actual lyrics from from a rough lyrics translator it says that chaquita skirt how pretty it looks on you i used to see it every day now it's whenever i can that's a hit. That's a hit in the Latino world, man. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee the merit. Yeah, you can do this. He's, and then he starts. Lament- I'm sure. I'm sure you th- you throw Bob Dylan through some through a translator into another language. It's it's kind of clunky as well. Yeah, he's talking about <laughs> she's doing her bachelor's greedy. She's been eating well for a while. Don't leave a trace. I came up with Yannick and Chaco for the Raptor. There's no more substance that's in supply. Alcohol made the friend want to kiss. I unwittingly touched her, and she climbed it through a window. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's right. Yeah, these lyrics are don't really. Rhyme. Rhyme. It doesn't rhyme either. No, no, yeah. no, no. He didn't. I mean, I'm sure in another language, it probably does. All good, yeah. but yeah, I think that it's always a weird thing to see your favorite athlete in out of his element because those are really big people. Like even in the video, you see him like around normal people and you're like golly he is just a huge human and then these are just regular people just walking around. I don't know if you ever seen um, Fozzie. The, band the, the the Muppet? No. Fozzie Bear? <laughs> Seen Fozzie Bear all the time. No, uh, Y2K, uh, the the uh, wrestler. He was in a band called Fozzie. I have. You're, it's like you're. It's like you just put you through Google Translate. I he, don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was in a band called Fozzie, and he's just around the regular band members, and he's just like looking all like big and juiced out, and so it looks really weird when a regular athlete hangs around musicians because musicians are usually a little svelte, a little uh you know, wiry, and you have crisp, I think crisp and wide. No, it's not crisp and wide. I'm thinking of his real name. Y2J. Jim, what's Y2J's real name? Jericho. Jericho, yes. Chris Jericho being around him. AJ with the help right there. Thank you very much. But it's always weird to see these people around other people that are not just, you know, athletes and so you don't get the perspective. I remember when I go into a locker room one time and Frank Thomas was sitting down and he was by himself. And I'm not small. I'm 5'10 on the good day. And he's like sitting down as tall as I am. I'm like, golly, just like that's two different worlds. Those are two different people. Same thing with Carlos Zambrano. I don't know if you ever met him, but I did not meet Carlos Zambrano. That, I met Frank Thomas, big guy. Just like <laughs> I have big hands and 
I got to shake Frank Thomas's hand. I got to shake Carlson Brown's hands, and then Harold Baines's hand one time in the um, in the lounge. And I was just like, "Man, those are different people." Like my hands are decently big, and Harold Baines just enveloped mine with his handshake and almost crushed my hands. I was like, "Yeah, that's a different human." And so, that's whatever I see them out of their element, not in the clubhouse. I'm like, "Yeah." Regular people are get to see how big these people are and how much farther away from uh, baseball and uh, any sport that they can play. That's why it's always ridiculous when people's like, eh, "I can hit in a major league baseball, or I can throw a pass in, in football." No, you can't. You're not close to what these people are, and you get to see them all the time. But you got some height on you, so you actually can look these guys eye to eye. Throwback. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say throwback to a couple weeks ago when I said I could. Uh, what was it? I could hit a uh, home run. You or said you'd you'd I'd, get a hit off Chris. Eight Sale, tries. Like, I said I, all pitch. I needed was eight tries. Yeah, yeah, I'm That's just wrong. Throwback. Yeah, it's <laughs> wrong. Yeah, you would, you would, you wouldn't get a hit. Like you wouldn't hit bat to ball. No, and not know, me either. It's yeah, it's a ridiculous thing. On to the next topic. We have a birthday to celebrate today, Vinny. Do you know whose birthday it is today? I do. Yes. It is the great Pedro Grafal. He is <laughs> turning 53 today. Pedro Grafal, uh, 53 years old, first year manager of the White Sox. On everybody's birthday, I know usually I would crap on Pedro Grafal because I didn't think that he did a great job in his first year managing, but I'm also a guy that says managers don't matter that much, so how much, how can I be both people? So on his birthday, everybody deserves to have a good day and have good things said about him. Firstly, Vinny, you were dealt with him the most. Did you see any transition from when you first met him back when the press conference started last year and from the end of the year where he seemed a little bit more introspective? Yeah, I'm, well, listen, I think that he was pretty open about the lessons that he had learned and the the, the way the experience went for him. Uh, certainly, you know, when he's being introduced at a press conference, when he's at spring training, it's all excitement to get going. I mean, this is a guy who was a major league bench, bench coach. He he had a front row seat. He had the, the closest seat you can have mm -hmm. to what that manager's job is like. And yet by the end of the year, he was saying, man, I did not realize that it was going to be like this. And so I think that it's probably something you can only find out by, by going through it. Certainly, if, if your assistant coaches don't even know what, it, what it's going to be like exactly. Um, listen, he had everything that possibly could have gone wrong go wrong for him uh, in his first year. It's not an excuse. He's the manager. They lost 101 games. He's the manager. Uh, you know, obviously he bears a, a significant percentage of the blame for that. But that being said, like you were alluding to, he's not the guy going up there taking the at-bats. He's not the guy going up there throwing the pitches. Um, and so I think a lot of the stuff that he said at his opening or his introductory press conference that fans responded to so positively those were presented as for lack of a better term promises right yeah we're going to do this we're going to do that <laughs> and by the end of it I think everybody on the outside at least you know I'm sure he's still confident he can get the team to that point but everybody on the outside was like that was you saying what you wanted to happen not necessarily what was going to happen because obviously it didn't happen. Now, he's going to go through uh, and do things differently, I'm sure, uh, as he's already said that he's going to do, uh, to try and bring those things into reality, to make a t the team play the way that he wants to. And it does really seem, when we listen to Chris Getz, that they are you know, very much on the same page in terms of what kind of baseball they want to see this White Sox team play. So if you can match the personnel with the intent, with the lessons learned, I'm not saying it's all going to turn around in one season, but you might see something a lot closer to what he was, again, for lack of a better term, promising, uh, you know, in terms of what the team is going to look like, what the style of play is going to look like. I think he learned an awful lot in that one year. How could you not? Uh, now it's just a matter of will he have the resources and will he have the ability to now with another chance, try to shape things in the way that he wants them to look. And to speak to that, he said in September, I'm not going to go into specifics, but there are things I would change. I got a list of things I went, went well and a list of things that need to be improved upon. I learned a lot of patience. Sometimes I had patience, sometimes I didn't. Recently I learned I need to have more patience. There are certain ways to envision this club playing, and I'm going to be a little tougher on that moving forward in 24 and beyond. At times we're okay with that in, in that regard, but at other times I was really happy. I wasn't really happy on how we about how we went about it and it's not just the players it's all of us there are adjustments that we have to make in this building from player standpoint from our coaching staff as well and 
the one thing I like about that, or a lot of things I like about it, he recognizes what's wrong with the team, takes self-ownership, globalizes a little bit, but it is a global thing. Like I said before, he can't do anything about the players going up there, not doing what he wants to. I mean, obviously there was one player in particular not listening to him like he wanted to, and that was Oscar Colas, but he's a rookie, so you can easily send him down. And maybe there are more people in that clubhouse not listening to him because maybe they don't respect him as much because his record started off as 7-21 and when he first started. And so I can understand why players might be like, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But also I think that it takes a lot of humility to say, hey, man, I was messed up. I messed up a couple things. I miscalculated that there are going to be leaders in this clubhouse and that there are people going to be leading so I didn't have to. And I know his second year is going to be tough because the payroll looks like it's going to be paired down from about the 180 mark to I don't know what it is, but as the first couple moves of the uh, offseason started, I think that we kind of get an idea of what's going down with the White Sox. So he might have a tougher time because the players might not be as good as the talent he had before, but they'll play the way he wants to play. And I think that he and uh, Chris Getz believe that having lesser talent and put those in quotes might be a better thing for this team because then you have people who are a little bit more in tune to what his message is and then they can listen to him. So I like that he has a little bit more humility, that he's going to take a little more leadership role next year, as I think any manager should, because his most important job is to manage the clubhouse. The lineup will take care of itself most days. We'll still bitch about it, 100%. Don't even worry about it. We'll got you, Pedro. But the people in the clubhouse, they need to know that you got their back and they got yours. And if you got to set the precedent in February when you started spring training, do it. And if people don't like it, they can get, always get shipped out because it looks like Pedro has a pretty good, like, he has Chris Getz's ear and he has a good working relationship early on with them because they're making good moves right now. And I think that uh, Pedro has a, you know, a good relationship with the guy. And I don't think he's on the hot seat necessarily like a guy who will be 61 and 101 usually would be because it's his first year. So I'm good with Pedro. Congratulations on your birthday, 53. I hope you celebrate. I hope you're watching, Pedro. I hope ne- by this time next year we're celebrating an AL Central championship, maybe a second round appearance in the playoffs. I'm hoping, guys. I'm not. I'm not putting this out there as an actual thing because, you know, it's really hard to do. But let's get to the third topic of the day, and it is official, Vinny. Paul DeYoung is a Chicago White Sox. He signed a surprisingly low one-year, $1,700,000 deal with the White Sox with some incentives built in there if he gets certain markers. So, Vinny, what are your first thoughts about the contract, how short it is, and the money he, that Paul DeYoung got from the White Sox? Well, the length, the fact that it's only one year is very obvious I think for a shortstop you're bringing in a guy who is probably just keeping that seat warm for Colson Montgomery who is one of the highest rated prospects in baseball um, obviously we've talked about and there are a lot of questions about whether Colson will continue to play shortstop once he reaches the major leagues but the way this is set up right now the path forward for this team seems to feature Colson Montgomery as the shortstop uh, and hey that might come as soon as before the end of next season. Uh, And so if you're going to bring in somebody who's not part of the long-term planning or certainly not part of the long-term planning at the position that they play, Paul DeYoung probably, you know, that's the kind of guy you're getting for one year for for cheap for cheaper than two million dollars that's less than Elvis Andrews was was paid last year when he signed on the first day of spring camp to be the team's second baseman uh so I, I think the the affordability if you want to call it that as well as the uh length of the contract very much are reflective of the fact that Colson Montgomery is the top ranked prospect in the organization um other than that you know this is not a move that I don't think is 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 exciting fans too much Uh, again it's a placeholder move I'm not quite sure how many people would be excited by that but here is Chris Getz again kind of delivering on the things he said he wanted to do improve improving the defense on the infield specifically Uh, you know if if indeed and we don't know whether Nicky Lopez is going to end up at the top of the second base depth chart or not but if indeed that opening day middle infield is Paul DeYoung and Nicky Lopez They've done a really good job of improving the defense up the middle uh, on the infield. Now, there's more positions to fill, obviously, right field. We don't know what's going to happen at catcher. And, and, and like I said, is there another second baseman to come in here? So a, a lot of moves still to be made, but 
hey, the defense is better. There's no doubt about that. And and Tim Anderson, yeah, who's a two-time All-Star, who I think both you and I think can recapture that batting champ level performance that he's turned in in the past, mm-hmm. they decided to move on from him. They saved. Now they're paying his replacement about $12 million less than they would have had to pay him. Uh, but on top of it all, not only is the defense better with Paul DeYoung, the power yeah. is improved as well. Paul DeYoung did not have a good year last year. He played for three different teams. I believe, uh, did he even play 200 games? Or uh, excuse me, did he even play 100 games? I don't think so. I think he played 81 with the Cardinals and then less than 20 each with his two other teams. I might be wrong on those numbers, but it's right around there. He had 14 home runs. That's not a lot, but Tim Anderson hit one. And so if you're talking about an upgrade on the power department, Paul DeYoung technically is that. Uh, he's a guy who has hit 30 home runs in a season before, and I believe that's his only season with more with 20 or more home runs is the time he hit 30. But um, Tim Anderson hit one last year, and he didn't hit too many the year before that either. So um, if you're talking about is Paul DeYoung an upgrade from Tim Anderson, in the aggregate, I don't think so. But he's better at defense, and he hits more home runs. And if that's the kind of, if those are two things you wanted to see from this White Sox team, certainly it's two things Chris Getz wanted to see from this White Sox team. There you go. Yeah, and uh, 112 games last year okay. combined with uh, San Francisco, um, San F- St. Louis, and Toronto. Yes, like you said, the 14 home runs was probably around his average. 25 his rookie year, 19 his second year, 30 in 2019. So he did have a 20, another and, 20 homer season. And then 2021, it was a 19 home runs, and then six the year before in 2022. So he's declined a little bit, but that is because he didn't play as many games. I think the Cardinals saw that he was declining in power a little bit and, and average because his OPS went down ever since he's been a rookie and gave some playing time to other people. But initially, you know me, I was like, Tim, Tim, Team Tim all the way. And so I was against the move to not give him the team option of $14 million to play in 24 because I just thought, and I still do, that he's going to have a good year. He's going to have a breakout year because he probably needs to for his second big-time contract. And so now looking at how low this contract is, Vinny, I'm just, like, astonished. It's a good deal. You're getting major league shortstop, period from Paul DeYoung. It might not look great at the plate, but from what we've seen from Tim in the last six years, hit or miss. If a ball's hit right to him, if that play is going to be made, especially if it's in Cleveland. And so I feel a little bit better. I know the pitchers do, and I know Chris Getz feels a little bit better that knowing the -the up-the-middle defense is going to be a little bit more secure. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to do anything for me if you're up the middle, if you're the catcher, those positions for me whatever offense you provide usually is fine for me you're there more for your defensive skills especially if you're a catcher and so if you can hit the ball of the park let's say he splits the difference and goes to 15 home runs from his high of uh 30 and then goes from his lowest six and gets like in the middle 15 16 home runs next year for the White Sox I think every White Sox fan and he plays the same type of defense every White Sox fan is like yeah I'm a Tim Anderson fan I love Tim Anderson but this was a good move to get rid of him free up the 12 plus million dollars and maybe use that money and especially if they're going to use that money towards somebody else like a starting pitcher which they need a right fielder and or another replacement for second base even though Nicky Lopez is there slated in there right now I think it'll be a good move so while I was a detractor of the hiring of Chris Getz and I thought the process is still wrong of him hiring Chris Getz the way he did but in the in the interim, what's Chris Getz has done, the moves have been of GM quality. They're not like a rookie move. It's not like a rookie mistake. Oh, he's messing up here. He's There's not no obvious things as yet as we head into the winter meetings next week. I think Chris Getz is doing an all right job. So it's hard for me to say that because I want to believe against him because I didn't think the hiring was good but if it works out eventually my process of results thing will crumble right in front of me and hey I would I'll be the first one to stand up and say I was wrong Chris Getz is doing a good job and so far I think he's doing an all right job for himself Vinny can you let the folks know while we take a break about the great things of Goose Island of course Mm. you know me Mm. I love a honkingly good time Mm. 
Thank you, Sarah. So delicious. And so I'm ready to tell you about Chicago's beer and what has been Chicago's beer since 1988. That would be our friends over at Goose Island who are uh, supporters of us, of course, and we very much appreciate that. I enjoy the 312, as you know. Herb, I know you usually enjoy a beer hug, but here you are today enjoying the full pocket pills, uh, which is what the non-Milwaukee brewers are drinking over at the uh, over at the brewery over there. Uh, but, of course, you can go down to the Jewels and pick up any number of Goose Island varieties. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have something very nice for, for, uh, for the holiday season, oh, yeah. for wintertime. Can't wait to see what that uh, is the next time I'm at the, uh, in, the, in the beer section over at the store. The Jewels? But if you can, if, you, if, if you're like, you know what? I just want to do some sampling. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go to the jewels and buy a whole a whole package. Well, you're in luck because you can go down and grab yourself an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or you can head on over to the tap room that's on Fulton Street in West Town. Uh, they got a bunch of stuff over there. Last time we were over there, we had. Uh, a whole, a whole nice sampling of things. Oh, yeah. and, and you can pick and choose what you like, and then maybe you go on over to the Jewels and, and you find uh, the uh, the pack of your of your pleasure. So uh, if you want a honkingly good time, you got to go ahead and get yourself some Goose Island. They're Chicago's beer, and they have been since 1988. I saw Sarah checking out the website. You going over to Goose Island? Going to Fulton Street? Well, Fulton Market? You, you guys always talk about the tap room, and so I was just I was honestly just getting ideas. I was like, oh, I wanted to. I looked at the address, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, great place, small bites beer that you don't get from the store like you get these beers but you also get brewery fresh beers like i had a saison yeah if you like saison with some tequila in it delicious when Very i good. like doing the um what are they called the trios or the tray the flights or flights yeah. thank you yeah I mean, flights. Do flights over there not probably probably i was saying yeah i was like that's why we'll I was, have to go today and check and confirm that's why it. i was looking at their yeah. website i was like oh sarah we'll head on over there after the show and can and do some confirmation <laughs> But Midtown's four Midtown Athletic Clubs has four Chicagoland locations: Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Midtown Palatine is launching a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the year. There's something for everybody. If you're a single person, an engaged person like myself, a married person like Vinny, there's um, also people who are just looking for lifestyle changes or holistic changes. It's a great place. And as I always say, it's not like a fitness club that is selling it short. It has fitness equipment, a lot of it. Some of your favorite fitness equipment, but also it feels like a community in there. And one, uh, what's your favorite fitness piece of fitness equipment? Would you say? Well, I like the the other day I did this uh, Les Mills body pump uh, class. Is and that a piece of equipment? It is the Les Mills body pump. But they have in that class while it's you know you're doing you know aerobic things and uh, cardio things. They have a barbell. And you got to put some extra weights in there. And as a short arm guy, I love the barbell. Classic, because, classic. Because I can, I can, you know, bench press with the best of them. I need to go over there and see because my favorite piece of fitness equipment is that thing you see from the fifties where they put that belt around and your back and it just shakes you. If they've got that, I'm I might have to be all in. They don't have. I don't think they have that, but they have a, a magnet type of thing that does similar. A magnet. Uh, yeah, like you stand on it. It's supposed to help your balance Ooh, out. That's fun. Yeah, it's real nice. Um, one. One person who went to Midtown said that Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club they've ever been to. They have super luxe locks, locker rooms, wet and dry saunas, which I checked out on Monday, premium amenities, amazing indoor and outdoor pools and hot tubs, a collection of boutique fitness studios and more than 100 classes. Like I told you, I took the Les Mills body pump, which was in the theater. You can go to the field for cross training, ride for cycling. Everybody fights for boxing, the samadhi, for yoga, or you can go up to the high-intensity training place in the arena. They have the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. This is what they're mostly known for. If you're a longtime Chicagoan, you know that Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddleball stuff, USTA approved, and professional quality all the way. Head on over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and tour the Midtown Athletic Club that is nearest you. Today, today is the anniversary of Jose Abreu signing with the Houston Astros, the dreaded Houston Astros. And I remember last year, Vinny, when we were talking about Jose Abreu, I wanted him on the team. You wanted him on the White Sox because it thought it'd be good for the White Sox. It just made sense for the White Sox. And so when I was thinking to myself, man, he's gone and, you know, giving Andrew Vaughn a full shot to play at first base, that's the right thing to do, but also losing your best offensive player, your team leader, your 
you know, guy that's been here since 2014, your stalwart, was a bad move for the White Sox. And I thought it made it even worse is when the team that signed them were the reigning champion Houston Astros. I was like, if the reigning champions won them and signed them for three years for $60 million, why wouldn't the White Sox? So I kind of had a little FOMO. I was like, oh, golly, why are the Cleveland Guardians checking in on him? Why are the Houston Astros signing? The Boston Red Sox even had interest in him. And so I had a little FOMO and say, man, if the Houston Astros won him, the White Sox should have wanted him because they do good things down there. If they're going to want him, that means that our team should have won him because they have smart minds there. And I'm kind of going through that same thing today, Vinny. I was looking at uh, our partners at PHLY, our uh, Philadelphia version of this. So CHGO, PHLY, if you're not uh, checked it out yet and you're a Phillies fan or Eagles fan or Flyers fan, go check it out. But Do they have a show about the, the band, the Eagles? Uh, no, I would, I would not watch that. I'd be in. I hate the Eagles. No, you shouldn't. I effing hate the Eagles. <laughs> That's from that movie, right? Uh, yes, it is. All right. But, um, yeah, Hotel California just ruined me. It's a good song. When, I, no. when you're in California and they play it all the time, it's like, oh. All the time? All, like, <laughs> literally. I well, I mean, like 20% of the all songs in history are about California. They could, just, they could go forever and not repeat. I would think, like, you wouldn't like songs about your state or city. I don't like Sweet Home Chicago. I know I'm in the minority in that one. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> also, you just also you probably just know the Blues Brothers version. Go listen to the know. actual blues the, the song. One. I don't know who does it. Well, the, the one, one they play all the time yeah. is the Blues Brothers. Oh, that's the Blues Brothers one. Yeah. Oh, maybe yeah, that's why I hate it. I don't like the Blues Brothers either. Um, wow, you're God, right. you're I'm, losing. You're I'm losing killing your, Chicago. You're losing today. your Chicago cred. Get your ass back to San Diego. But yes, they used to play um, California Hotel California all the time, and I was like, ugh, get out of here. And so. What I'm thinking is Whit Merrifield, to take another right, Whit Merrifield is getting speculated as being a rumor of the Philadelphia people, the Boston people, other teams who you respect. Well, at least I respect the Philadelphia people's minds. Uh, the GM, Dave Dombrowski, uh, the people out in Boston, they just got a new guy in Scott Breslow. From Craig. Craig Breslow. Scott Craig, I don't know who that is. Craig Breslow. So I respect those minds, and I'm like, if they like him, why don't I like Whit Merrifield? Do I not like Whit Merrifield simply because he's a former Royal and he's been rumored to come to the White Sox even before he got to Toronto and that I just have this natural pushback for any Royal coming to the White Sox and this thing kind of opened me up? Or am I just a prisoner to the moment and thinking, man, if other good teams like him, just like Jose Abreu with the Houston Astros, why don't the White Sox like them? Now I want them. It's that weird thing where, you know, if you're, when you're young, when, you know, a girl you liked, you know, dated you and then you kind of stopped liking her. And then when other dudes started liking her, you're like, oh, no, that's my girl. I like her. I like her now. That's what I kind of feel like right now with uh, Whit Merrifield. It's like, hmm, no Phillies. That's our Whit Merrifield. He's the White Sox Whit Merrifield after all this time in the offseason thinking, nah, that would be a bad move for the White Sox. Now I'm like, hmm, right field for Whit Merrifield would be an upgrade. And I'm not lying right there, Vinny, am I? Because it would be an upgrade. Anything's an upgrade over the right field the White Sox had last year. So your thoughts on Whit Merrifield and anybody who's in the free agent market getting you know, rumored, speculated about with good teams and does that change your mind as a journalist about maybe how you perceive those people i uh, i don't know about that I, I i totally get what you're saying and i think you got to remember that there is more to a player than just what you see on baseball reference right i mean i i think that you could look at some acquisitions throughout the past and see a good team bringing a guy in for a very specific reason, mm -hmm. right? We were talking the other day over here uh, with, with our guy Jim mm -hmm. about specialists, right? And yeah. like, oh, yeah. you know, do you, would you, Let's say, you know, he, he proposed the hypothetical, hey, there's, let's say there's a guy, he's terrible at hitting, he, he doesn't do anything, but he's the best pinch runner in the world, and he's going to steal all these bases for you. Do you want that on your team? And I said, well, I think any team would want him if it's going to help you win, if you're already in a position to utilize that skill set to help you get to where you want to be. A team where the White Sox are, for example, 
might not benefit a whole ton from bringing in a specialist because they need all the other things to get them to the point where a specialist would put them over the top, right? A team that's already there, the Phillies have been to the NLCS two years in a row, were in the World Series two years ago, are a team where you could bring in someone like that who might not jump off the page to you as the solution in a in a line, you know, to be the number two hitter in the lineup, the guy to come fill an everyday spot for you, but you send it to the Phillies, you know, or you send them to the another uh, a solid team. You brought up the Astros with Jose Abreu. You bring up all these teams, these teams who are already at the top, and the little bit that that guy can give you is is what maybe takes you over the top, and so. There's a very different um, way of looking at things for each of these teams. We need X, Y, Z, whereas the other team needs A, B, C, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and that guy might fill the A, B, C, but not the X, Y, Z. So, you know, that I, I think, you know, to clean some stuff up, I don't know if we saw any actual reports saying that any of these teams yeah. are interested in signing them, but you maybe saw some folks saying, oh, it'd be a good fit here, a good fit there, and they're maybe looking at it with that eye, right, saying, well, that guy can do this for them, and that puts them over the top, whereas the White Sox need the guy they bring in to be an everyday player. They need him to be somebody with a certain on-base percentage, with a certain slugging percentage that has all of these skills and not just one or two or three of them. So I think that's maybe what you got to look at. If the White Sox end up with Whit Merrifield, for example, he's going to be asked to do a lot yes. for the White Sox. He's going to be asked to be probably one of the better offensive players and an everyday player at a position. If somebody else goes and get him, a team that has a second baseman, a team that has a right fielder already, right? Yeah. Maybe he's being brought in to do a very specific number of jobs for a lesser, uh, for lack of a better term. So um, that's what maybe makes him, in the eyes of some, a fit in Philadelphia. Whereas if the kind of fit that he would need to be on the south side – Maybe he is past that in terms of what he's able to do production-wise in his career. Maybe he is at the point where the stuff that he has done that does show up on Baseball Reference over the last couple of seasons is not enough to fill that role for the White Sox. Then again, the White Sox are maybe looking for some other stuff also, you know, be it somebody who knows the way that Chris gets and Pedro Grafol want things to be done, somebody that they can rely on in the clubhouse, um, and someone who frankly, can just take the take at bats and take the field in a year where maybe they're not planning on fielding a contending team. Yeah, and his aggregate stats for last year, not great. He hit 272, 318 on base, and a 382 slugging percentage for a 94 OPS+. plus. But I want to focus on July, which I got into, and I was like, ooh, with Merrifield, 356 batting average, 375 on base with a 622 slugging for 999 OPS. And he hit seven home runs that month with a 20 driven in. So if Whit Merrifield is out in the market, I would more rather have him as the second baseman where you can have him and Nicky Lopez get some time and then have a right fielder that is all right. It's kind of in the same vein as Paul DeYoung, where you're just having placeholder, even though you don't have a necessary guy to take over that spot. I don't know if I sign a big-time player unless it's like Teoscar Hernandez. I know You're all of, aboard the Teoscar Hernandez train lately. The man, I mean, 25 home runs a year, that's one of the things the Sox need is just power. And I, st I know people don't like strikeouts necessarily, the White Sox strike out without power, so we might as well be going for the downs if you're if you're going to be striking out anyways and hit thirty, run into thirty anyway. So if you can go and get Whit Merrifield and Teoscar Hernandez, we're former Orioles, I mean former Blue Jays team now with those two guys, and I think the team is much improved. And then you have a guy like Nicky Lopez being a super utility guy, which is the perfect spot for him to be in the major leagues because he fields well, can field a lot of positions, but doesn't hit like an everyday uh, middle infielder. And so, yeah, I, I'm kind of cooling off on my hatred of Whit Merrifield going with the White Sox as long as the deal is solid. And, yes, A.J., Sean was like, you guys are mentioning Whit Merrifield coming to the White Sox. I'm out. I'm gone. So that's why I send him on assignment. He cannot be on this episode to be mentioning both Ben Attendee and Marifil in the same outfield. Oof, friends, that'll be real tough. Well, and to get to kind of the, uh, the, the title that you made too, you know, the whole FOMO idea, 
it does speak to kind of what we've been talking about too, which is, do you strike early? You know, do you, do you move early? We've been hearing, like you said, reports for multiple months now yes. that the White Sox would be interested in adding Whit Merrifield. Uh, is that someone where they're like, we've identified that guy, we need to go get him, like they did with Mike Clevenger, like they did with Yasmani Grandal? Is it, hey, this is what we need to do is go out and get this guy because he's who we want to fill this role on our team? Or is it going to be more dictated by what the market sets and and what other teams might be interested if you're with Merrifield at this point in your career you're a veteran right I mean you you played for a World Series winner already with the Royals but maybe you want to get back there the Phillies to speculate on one team that we were talking about earlier might get you another World Series ring yeah the White Sox in 2024 at least most likely aren't so the, the question becomes then how does that market play out are the White Sox going to be aggressive because it's a person they've identified or does does do his priorities lead somewhere else? The the FOMO aspect of that is, man, if there are these other speculated you know fits that that might work here for Whit Merrifield, does Chris Getz say we got to beat we got to beat these twenty nine other teams to go to go secure this guy who we've identified as someone we want? Yeah, and I I would agree with that, and I think that to take it back to a couple of days ago when we we're doing the Mailbag Monday, and somebody said money was no issue, and you smartly said money is always an issue money's the thing that drives them and i think the white Sox in this whole rumor right here would probably have enough money and more money available to sign with merrifield and the need as you were saying white Sox need with merrifield and i'll put those in quotes to play 150 games for them while the phillies might not they might lead you to play 100 games Get in there every time when you can. Pinch hit late if there's a lefty in the game, if you're out of that game type of thing. For the White Sox, he would be more of an everyday player. For the Phillies, maybe an everyday player, but with lesser uh, duties and responsibilities and lesser uh, uh, like stuff on his back to carry the team because he's got so much other power things. And I, while I was looking at Whit Merrifield things, he uh, was on f- uh, foul territory with A.J. Brzezinski and the boys, and he was talking about, like, he is not in favor of the robot umps and the automatic strike zones. He's not a fan of the pitch clock either. Old school. Yeah, he's not a fan of the pitch clock. He's saying pitch clock is pretty much causing injuries and the owners are not listening to the players because apparently with the committee they have six owners on the committee and only four players to represent it so if the owners want something they're always gonna get what they want and they never really adjust to it so he's thinking that the uh, robot umps thing is coming i don't know if it's coming next year but it's coming but he is not a fan of it. He just wants regular umps to be doing their jobs. He's siding with Bill Miller and the rest of the Umpires Association to keep those people out of there and it be a more human-led game. But I also feel like you've had a lot of time to check and make sure that your calls are right, umps. And throughout these years, you've been protecting bad umpires like Andrew Hernandez, et cetera, et cetera. And they still got jobs. So if you can't do your job correctly... Hell, we'll go and get umpires who are precise and have a precise strike zone, and everybody knows the strike zone when they come up, so there's no arguing of balls and strikes. But, yeah, he's very old school. I mean, he's like 35 years old right now, so, damn, he should be old school. He's 34. He'll be turning 35 in January. But we'll be wrapping up the show after this break. Before we leave, I'll be telling you about the great folks at CDJR. Are you in the market for a new vehicle? If you are. Then we have some great news for you. We're on the same team as Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake. At Ray CDJR, we'll always be available. We'll always have able to shop one of Chicago's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, during Black Friday sales event at Ray CDJR at Fox Lake, 0% financing is now available on new models all month long. That's not all. Just for listening, you can get a free oil change. When you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at Ray CDJR slash service. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they are the only team that we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR and Fox Lake or Ray CDJR.com. Serving the community since 1963. Vinny, let us know about 588 to 300 Empire today. 
And with Empire today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Herb, Mm -hmm. those are all positive things. Empire today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on quality service speed. So competitors advertise low-quality products that Empire simply will not carry. Ridiculous. I agree. It is ridiculous. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they would not put in theirs. Can you believe it? It's just bad. Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, not to overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And what you can do is use the virtual floor designer, which is a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. Don't do it. You, you might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday. It's all very silly, but flooring is all Empire Today does. They live and breathe flooring. They go, go down on the floor and they <laughs> inhale flooring. Don't do that. So you can be confident that you're getting honest and upfront advice. So go ahead and schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for all the relevant details. I started eating Hero Bread because I have type 2 diabetes and didn't want to give up my favorite foods like wraps, sandwiches, or quesadillas. And Hero Bread has been great for me, and I'm sure it'll be good for you when you try it out. If you need a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle or dietary constraints, Cole Cole Glass, the founder of Hero Bread, baked 100 muffins per day. It's it's just too many muffins, I feel like. The man's uh, obsessed. It's never too many muffins. He's obsessed (laughs) with making the best bread ever. The perfect blend that fit into his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. I know that when I mention that the flour tortillas have zero net carbs, 80 calories, and 15 grams of protein, some are worried about the taste, but I'm here to tell you, it tastes like your favorite tortilla. But after you try Hero Hero Bread tortillas, they'll be your favorite. A discount for our first purchase for CHGO fam. 10% 10% off when you put in CHGO at Hero.co. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, tortillas that are all available at Hero.co or Amazon. They also have fewer calories than the national, leading national brand, 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. And right now, Hero Bread is offering CHGO fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use the code CHGO to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O. Dot co to save 10 percent today now herb i yes. don't know if you saw this but uh sarah is very much against the robot umpires and i think 21 year old sarah i think you? what i, I think what she thinks yeah, 23. is that there's going to be like an actual robot like c3po is going <laughs> to be standing behind what the I batter is that what you think is going to happen and i was sarah? like the last thing we need right now is some like robot like blowing up on the field or taking over oh, no, the you field don't, she's afraid of a robot and locking revolution. down the whole stadium and then everyone's trapped in, i'm telling you i was spinning out i was spiraling you think robot umpires means terminator you, that's what no, you that's think that's is going to happen literally was the first thought in my head and i was like i don't like that strike one <laughs> it's a, it's it's a ball ball one <laughs> that's ball what two. i was thinking <laughs> It's like Rosie. I understand the now. Yeah, right. But I want. I had to play off that. I was we, like, I swear to God, if there are robots on that field one day, we should have. We should have a show trying to figure out which robot would make the best umpire. And just so everyone's aware, uh, Mr. Clanky from Backyard Baseball should be eliminated because he's he already he's is an um, umpire. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I would say Kevin from uh, Saved by the Bell, Screech's robot. Okay. It was early. I don't know if you, they only did it from a couple episodes, but Kevin was great. He was awesome, a robot. Sarah? I don't. I. I don't You're, want a robot. You don't period. like. She's anti. Yeah. She doesn't even like fictional robots. Like the oh whole God. AI. So I robot is like you don't even watch that movie because you hate robots so much. I've seen. Is that the one with Will Smith? Yeah. In it? Oh yeah, I Chicago, didn't like that. So. Oh my God, yeah, that one scared me when I was younger. I didn't like it. No, Someone Will Smith. AI with? freaks me out too. I'm not about that either. What? You don't want an AI robot. No, I don't. Or an AI umpire. Would you like an AI umpire? No. No. 
Speaking, they freak me out. Speaking of, that's a great transition. Later on this week, we'll have a couple more journalists on our panel in the stead of Sean. I think uh, Friday is guaranteed for the guy that I don't know if we want to mention. You don't need to. There. You don't need to. Like, this okay. could be a nice tease, but we'll we'll have some of uh, have some a, of my press box colleagues yeah. dropping by later this week. So, and we might talk about AI, as uh, Sarah mentioned. Uh, Sports Illustrated apparently using some AI to complete some stories and some send some things out there, but they're kind of brushing back on that. So we'll discuss more of that later on the week when we have a couple more journalists here to just to get into it because those, you know, that's your jobs and they're taking away jobs from people who are actually doing the work instead of, you know, AI damn people. We all learn from iRobot that AI sucks. Even the AI thought the AI sucked. So... That's Sarah Victor. She thinks we're going to have robot umps. Oh, but she's pro Wally. I do like Wally. Yeah, what if I Wally was it. the umpire? Would you be in favor of that? Uh, see, I'd just go up and give him a hug then or see? something. You know, like he's, Wally's he's cute. Yeah, yeah, he saved the world. He did. Uh, Wally's like that BB-8 thing. Well, no, those are two different things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie. I know Wally. Wally. It's a, okay. yeah, it's but very I, good. It's not, a, it's not a circle. It's not a ball. Like no. A, like he's a, got like, uh, like uh, tank treads. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you like Wally? Not a fan of BB-8? No. Mm. Yeah, BB-8's I do like R two D two though. R two D two is great. I would use him any day. But he's an honest robot. Like he's a very that's like, what healthy, we need. Honest wow. robot. <laughs> you need a robot to be on the take. Or I need like a that? robot that has like good morals. That's <laughs> yes. what I need. <laughs> that's a strike. Get out of my face, wow. Pedro Griffal. No. Um, Sarah Victor, she's producing the show, hates she robots. Hates ro- well, except she, for Wally. She likes good robots, but who is she to determine what robots are good and which robots are bad? I know. Robots wow. are not, the robot is not good or bad. It's the people who tr- program them. True. That is, that is wise words from Herb right there. It's like a dog. That is Vinny Duber. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him, firstly, Vinny Duber, at Vinny Duber. You can follow me, at Ecknerwall23, on the Twitter slash X. Sarah, I don't think, has one, but she hates Twitter anyway, so don't it's follow It's probably a robot. That's probably why she doesn't it, like yeah, it. Yeah, that's the one time I'll have AI use it, is they can just do my Twitter for me. Yeah. So we'll be back tomorrow to be talking about some sports and some White Sox things, and so join us. Sarah, you don't you don't have the, the Roomba? No, I oh, don't have one of those. those are clutch. No, yeah, I've actually those are fine, but that's not like they're that's fine. Like, what is this? But now that's we're not splitting like a hairs robot. Here, robot, that's like do you just enjoy like, vacuuming? That's like a vacuum cleaner. That's, that's just a robot. Like moves. It's a little nah. robot. It's a robot that's learning your room yeah. to, learning, okay. to do it better yeah. next time we, and we, to kill you eventually. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I literally, I I have, I a, have an iRobot at home, and if we're are we sponsored by iRobot? No. All right, I have an iRobot at home. I do not turn it on when I'm leaving and I'm my dog is just at the house. Right? You think oh it's going to hurt yeah. the dog? Like, has that happened before? No, but Ziggy doesn't it move. Could. When the when the could robot it? when the it's just a vacuum. Ziggy doesn't move. That's what it and wants. And it just scares him. And I just think you know maybe one day he'll become self aware and like I want to eat this dog. Vacuum him up. I know I'm ridiculous for thinking about it. Of course, but it's been I've been trained because all these damn movies where robots just become so, self-aware honestly, yeah. and then start taking over because they're smarter than humans. I think eventually I've, that will happen. I've just been watching too much TV, honestly. I don't know if you've ever seen those Boston Dynamics people where those things are like chasing down things and flipping. They're like kind of like fake humans. They look like dogs sometimes. I don't know if you've seen those Boston Dynamic robots. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If you want to be scared that the future is going to be dark, those things are coming. Oh, Stop God. making robots that are, that can run. Just make them call strikes so Sarah can be happy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's all their, their, their life is for. So, for Sarah, for Vinny, my name's Herb. Thank you for joining CHGO White Sacks. Later. We all silly like the mayor. 